You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, your guide to earning more money with Kathleen Hart. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. I still can't believe the year is almost over. We still have a couple weeks left. So if you're listening to this in real time, this episode comes out December 11th, 2019. It's just crazy that the year is almost over. And with that, you still got time left. Don't throw it all away because I know how that can be. You're just like, I'll just start again in 2020. <laughs> but listen, you still got a couple weeks in 2019 to turn things around or to kind of shift paths or get things on track if you want to start off 2020 with a good start. So with that, I hope that you are really reflecting on your year. And I'll have an episode in a couple of weeks about that and just about my personal like year, what that looked like. And so stay tuned for that. Now, in general, I wanted to bring you some information about earning more money. It's one of those things in my content, I'm going to be talking lots more about it. Because while I know frugality and watching what you spend is our tools, they're special and important tools, especially depending on where you are on the journey. If you are beginning, it's important to have a real handle on what you spend. But to me, it's more important to focus on earning more money. And honestly, that's the way that everyone like I have not met a person who basically has like not used earning more money. It's like the real way they reach their financial goals of financial independence, paying off debt, even if they're choosing to be frugal, right? Like they're choosing to spend like literally nothing. They are accelerating their journey by earning more money. And that's the key. And so I want to bring you more tools and resources and guide you on how to do that in your own lives, whether it's in a career, so a nine to five, or whether it is because you are wanting to have a side hustle or you want to have a full on business, right? So how can you earn more demand your worth? We're going to talk all about that with Kathleen Hart, who is an empowerment coach and helps ambitious women dream big, live bold and really earn more money. And so you'll hear more about Kathleen and she really just has a wonderful way in which she can provide steps for you in terms of looking at where you're leaving money on the table, how you can begin to ask for more and believe that you deserve it. And I think that's the biggest thing. Again, mindset, it starts all with our inner mind and how we feel, because unless we really feel that we're worth it, then it's going to feel not aligned to go ask for more or to want more. And then when we even get it, or if we're in the process of doing that, it just, there's so much friction, internal friction, because we really don't even believe that we're worth it. So with that, I'm excited to talk to Kathleen. Now, if you want the episode show notes, so if you hear anything, you're just like, oh, I missed that, or I wanted to know more, go to the episode show notes. This is episode 130. So go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 130. There you'll get all the links and how you can basically connect with Kathleen and any more information about me and Journey to Launch. So just in case this is like your first time listening or you're not on my newsletter list, you need to join. Because one, my newsletter list gets all the good deeds first. Like they get everything first because it's easier to get things out quickly via newsletter than the podcast sometimes. And so if you want to be in the know, 
be up for giveaways or just special announcements that like the newsletter here is first, go to journeytolaunch.com slash join. Make sure you're also following me on social media. I'm at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So as always, just screenshot, let me know what you're thinking of the podcast and that you're enjoying it and share it with your family and friends. I will be reading an Apple podcast review at the end of the episode. I haven't done that in a while. And literally, like I used to ask for these every episode in the beginning and I still, it still matters to me. So if you listen to this in Apple podcast, that's that purple app on your iPhone, please don't forget to review and subscribe to the podcast. I read every single one and believe it or not, it actually really helps out. I can't tell you how many actually people have said I was looking for a personal finance show. And one, I saw this thing called Journey to Launch and saw all the ratings and reviews and thought, hmm, this is like pretty high. I should check it out. So it matters to me. So if you listen to this and like it and want to help me out by getting more people to listen to it. And then besides, it also helps with potential sponsors and partnerships because they know that you guys are engaged and they you care enough to leave a review. Please go ahead and do that. So I'll be reading one at the end of the show. Now, without further ado, let's hop into this insightful and amazing conversation with Kathleen. Journeyers, here's a conversation that you need in your life because the whole goal, obviously, you know, it's not all about making money, but kind of is <laughs> if, if, at least knowing how to ask for what you deserve and what you want. So I have on someone who's going to help us do just that. Kathleen Hart, who I'm going to call Kat, is going to talk to us about how we, and especially women, can have the mindset and then the tactics to earn more money. Because while money isn't everything, it's helpful when you have it. And it's even more helpful <laughs> when you are in alignment and, and commanding what it is that you deserve in this life. So I'm excited to talk to you, Kat. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into this conversation. I'm so excited. Yeah. And so this is your main thing, right? Like you help people, whether it's in their corporate careers or business, earn more money. So talk a little bit about, I mean, it's like, we all know the importance, but I really just want to start with the importance of why we should not be afraid to earn money in general, right? Like why it's so, it's a service for everyone, including our own selves to earn as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that mindset that you quickly touched on of like money isn't everything, or I don't need that much. You know, you talk a lot about blocks on this show. So I think your listeners are super familiar with it, but that was my block for a long time. Like I don't need money to be happy. I kind of grew up not really having much and always seeing my classmates being able to like buy bigger things or go on trips. Like Disneyland was such a dream for me that all of my classmates went to. So there's things like that where I realized, well, there's people that have money and I don't have money, but you know what? I'm happy. Like I'm doing good. So I don't need money to be happy. That transformed as I graduated college. I was working in nonprofit world and I realized pretty quickly, okay, I don't need money to be happy, but I do need money to live. Going paycheck to paycheck was really, really hard. And all these dreams that I had for my life, like I do want to someday travel. I do want to someday be able to buy a house. All of those started to kind of come crashing down of like, I can't make this possible currently at the paycheck that I'm at. So what am I going to do? So that's when I started kind of shifting my beliefs around money. I mean, that's like deep work that takes a long time sometimes. But um, that's when it began. And when I learned myself how to start more confidently negotiating higher salaries for myself, that's when I started realizing like, wow, this is a powerful conversation that you can have that can lead to tens of thousands of dollars, which long-term can make such a huge impact, not only in your long-term goals, but in your day-to-day -day life. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, this concept that I think a lot of us are not honest with the money um, talk about how much money we do want and things we really want in life. So some of it is like in a general scope of life, right? Like if you don't have it, it feels better if you tell yourself you don't need it. Yeah. Because then if you don't have it, then you don't need it, then you're fine, right? And until that all bubbles up and you realize like, well, who am I kidding? Like I do want more money. And it's funny, the people who don't need money or have a lot of it come to that conclusion that money is not everything because they're coming from it from a place of security. And it probably for them, yeah, they, they've seen that money doesn't solve all the problems. And so for them, yeah, they really don't need that money. But I feel like so many of us, and especially women maybe, and especially depending on your culture, like it's not something that is, you can expressly say like, you know what, I want to be like a millionaire. I want to be rich. I want to have more money than I ever could need. Like to say that sometimes, like depending on how you were raised and grew up can seem or can be perceived as selfish or self-serving and all these like negative things. And so I really think it causes us to not be true with our deep down desires around money. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's easier for us to justify what feels more noble, right? Like to not have money feels like a more noble thing to do where you're, you're kind of like selfless. You're willing to give, you're not going to be, you know, grasping for all these things. And it's harder to justify. I want two houses or, (laughs) I want to be able to travel whenever I want because that feels so greedy. I mean, that that was a big, like a kind of a catalyst for me is I had this list of like, what do I really want in life? And just getting really, really honest, like I do want to travel the world. Like I do want to have a period of my life where I'm not working and being able to just explore and see and meet people. I do want to someday have a beach house. So all these things are like, you have to first get honest with yourself of if you allowed yourself to have all the desires in the world, what would that be? And then looking at, okay, well, what role does money play in it? So money doesn't become like an evil thing or it's not something to try to fear, but it's something that can help you to be able to achieve those goals. Mm, Yeah. And like lean into that and start having these open conversations with yourself first and then with others who kind of get it, who can support you. And so I want to talk about, and you know, it's so funny and we can talk about like the differences, but the similarities in um, earning more, whether you're working for someone else and how to navigate that and then working and earning more like in a business, because now that I'm a full-time entrepreneur and business owner, it's the same, but it's different. Yeah. So I'd love to like kind of distill and get talk more about that. But in terms of, and you know, it's crazy because I interview a lot of people and some of them start at lower salaries and mostly all of them, even if they spend, a, they don't spend a lot because that's just what they don't care. They don't want to spend a lot. All of them have somehow increased their income, right? They went from making 20, 30,000 to maybe over five to 10 years, six figures. And I feel like that is a possibility for a lot of people, right? Whether they're job, they're going from job to job or they're negotiating the salary within their job. So let's talk about navigating like higher salaries and like how we can start doing that. I know that's like a broad question, but what's something that you, you advise like people to start really looking at if they want to start earning more? Yeah. Well, this is something I think um, there's a lot of ways like we can just say, okay, negotiate your at your job, at your current job, right? Um, that's one way to just kind of just dive straight into how can you earn more. But what I always like to encourage people to do is take a step back before that. And again, looking at what are your actual life goals and what's the lifestyle that you want to have? How much money does it take to support that lifestyle? Get really honest with yourself if you're in the current, like in the right position or if you're working for the right kind of company, or if you're living in the right kind of place, because those factors will really determine how much you're capable to earn if you're doing a kind of a standard nine to five, right? So maybe you're a project manager at a nonprofit. That's what I was. A project manager at a nonprofit is going to be totally different from a project manager 
within like, say a tech company. And you might think, well, okay, I don't want to be in a tech company. I want to be doing good work. Well, is there a tech company that's doing good work? That's essentially like operating like a nonprofit, but just happens to be able to generate more income so that they can pay you more within this project manager role. So that's like a really important thing to take a look at is not only how can I earn more in my current job, but really quick, let me double check. Am I in the right field? Am I in the right kind of industry? Am I living in the right place or am I targeting the right jobs that are going to be able to support that? If you can get really honest with yourself about that, then you can say, maybe there's a minor tweak that I need to make in order to be able to earn, say in an instant, $20,000 more. So that's just like a quick thing that you can think about. Then after that, you know, they always say like, you have to do your research. So that's the not fun part for a lot of people because you don't want to actually have to go out and either ask people or do the research. But it's really, really about understanding, okay, say for this project manager role, um, you're currently making $35,000 a year and you're within this industry. Your company size is say uh, 50 people. Once you start going online and talking to people, you really have to figure out, okay, is that, am I getting underpaid or am I about average? And again, it's about having that honest conversation. Okay, if I'm getting paid about average or I can get a pay bump of say 5,000, before you go into that negotiation, you also still want to make sure, is this still the direction I want to take my life, right? Because if an extra 5,000 is not going to radically create the change that you want to see in your day-to-day experience and in those long-term goals, then you have to start thinking, okay, well, what are the companies I need to start targeting so that I can be able to support myself financially through that salary? Mm-hmm. And then in terms of, so let's just say someone sitting right where they are in the company and they have the potential to even just like from where they are, go ask for more money, right? Because I feel like there's so many people who, if they did that, maybe it's not a huge amount of people, but maybe, I don't know, that if they went and just said, hey, here's what I've been doing, here's what I've accomplished, and I feel like my salary should be this, that would be an instant with maybe some, you know, back and forth, but that is a potential right there to earn money without even switching jobs. Yeah, I mean, because switching jobs is like going to take a lot more energy and the transition and interviewing and things like that. I think if you're happy where you're at, if you're happy within your position and you are just looking for a little bit of extra money, it's definitely something that's worth going into. And so we can talk about those tactics, but I will say that for the most part, you will always get paid a lot more when you do switch jobs, unfortunately. Yeah. So if you're somebody where you're like, I just, this this is not cutting it, you may get say a 5%, maybe up to 10% increase with your current job. But if you're looking for that 20% jump, it's something where you often have to leave. Companies will even say, okay, if you leave and then we rehire you, we can do it at that price point, but we can't do it. I don't know. It's kind of rigid in that way, which is frustrating. Yeah, because like I know if you've been in a company for a while, like I was working for my company for quite some time. And I know for a fact that my percentage, like three three to five percent, just annual inflation of my salary was different from someone who just was hired into the same position. Like they just started out making a little bit more. And so I do think that's important. And I did talk to someone um, recently who said each job, like they switched jobs like every other year just because they just had the propensity to to do that. And she said each time she just asked for about ten to 20000 more. And that's what's the conversation. And if they couldn't do that, like she would thank them for their time and go somewhere else, like, you know, start interviewing other places where they said that was possible. And that's how she raised her salary from like 35000 to over 100000 in this matter of like six or eight years or something. Yeah. I don't want to encourage people to say like, you have to keep leaving in order to go. But I do want ever, I do want everyone that's listening to really 
just be okay with under starting to understand that because I think another thing that we deal with, especially when we're working women and you could be a man, it doesn't matter, but it's the guilt, the guilt of I, yeah, but they rely so much on me. And like, I would be doing such a disservice to this entire company. Like I'll be letting everyone down by leaving. And you have to remember that at the end of the day, they are a business and they are treating you like an employee, right? They are paying you what they can pay you to be able to basically maximize their profit, right? Because not in a terrible way, but they want to be able to do business long-term. So they're going to be able to give you the salary that is going to be just as low as possible, but without having you try to quit, right? And so if you realize that you also have to treat your own life like you are the CEO of it. And so if you don't feel like you're getting paid what you deserve within this company, and you don't think long-term that you will be getting paid that, don't feel guilty having to leave. You have to do what's right for the business of you, just in the same way that they're doing what's right for the business of them. Mm. Um, so I always yeah. want to just, you have to lean into that because that discomfort of feeling like, oh my God, I'm doing such a terrible thing by leaving is sometimes what you have to do. But going back, if this is a company that say you're you're really loving it and you just know that you are getting underpaid, the first thing that you need to do is you need to understand by how much, right? And so there are the online places um, you'll, you know, there's like salary.com, there's Glassdoor, there's Payscale, um, and there's lots of new ones that are popping up. This is the best place just to start. A lot of people will say, okay, I don't want to go there because, you know, how reliable are these sites? But the reality is that a data point is a data point. And so if you can just go there and begin to start to understand, okay, actually, I could be potentially paid, you know, $5,000 more, that begins to build the confidence in yourself to say, this is a conversation that I can have. So with that information, the next thing that you want to do is really reach out to your network. One of the best places that you can talk to is somebody in your exact field that maybe works for a different company, somebody in your exact field that, say, uh, recently did a job switch. And so they, you can get insight from them about what were the kind of salary offers that they got. And then another one is old coworkers. So a person that has already left that company is probably making you know, they are probably left and are making slightly higher than before. And plus, they don't have any ties to your current company. So they're going to be much more willing to share what they were previously making or an estimate of what you can assume. So one script that I like to share is that you say, okay, I did some research on my role. Here's my experience. Here's some of my accomplishments. And it looks like I can be paid about this. Would you say that's about fair? And they could say, oh, no, I think you can be paid more. Or, yeah, I think that's about the right ballpark. Wait, so you're saying this to the person or like your boss or HR? No, to your person. This is still like research mode. Okay. Yeah, because you want to verify from them whether or not that number that you came up with is actually fair. By getting them to say it, you're not asking them to say, well, how much did you make in this role? Or how much are you currently making now? You're just saying, I've done the research. This is my skills. These are my accomplishments. This is my experience. This is what I think I should be making. Do you think that's correct? With that knowledge, then you can start to come up with what are your numbers. And this is what you'll bring to your boss, right? So with your knowledge, let's say, for example, you did research, you confirmed it with other people, um, both online and through your network, that you should be actually getting paid 43000 right? Now, is that 43000 is that what you want to land on or is that like the highest possible you could be making? So another thing that you could ask your network is, okay, about 43000 what do you think would put me on the higher end? Like, what do you think would get me to that next bump? They might say, oh, actually, if you have these skills or if you were to accomplish this kind of thing, then you could get closer to forty-eight or 50000 right? 
So if you can begin to justify, okay, 43 is probably where I want to land, but I could get up to 48,000. That then becomes the number that you bring to your boss or HR, because you know that it's a fair number, but you're going to anchor higher so that you can fall down and go towards that number that realistically at the end of the day, you want to land closer to. Now, if you get that higher number of bonus points, but it then leads itself to come down to the number that you actually want rather than starting at the number that you want and having to kind of sacrifice and go a little bit lower. Right, right. And I think it's so important, like having these open conversations with people um, and then just knowing what's out there, right? Because just knowing, right, even if it's not in your company, but just what other people can make, right? So you might say, okay, I'm, like you said, a project manager here and I earn this. And then you realize that, yeah, depending on the industry, depending on the company, like there are project managers making four times, five times as much as I do. And it just starts to, even if that's not where you want to be, but it, maybe it is where you want to be, but it expands your mind to realize the possibilities versus when you thought like it, it could only be this one way, you realize that, hold up, like there are so many people earning so much more money doing the exact same thing that I'm doing who are maybe not even as qualified, <laughs> right? But they're mm-hmm. earning more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of that, not that you want to just kind of justify the salary that you're at, but sometimes we get really angry and thinking, I'm underpaid, I'm underpaid, I'm underpaid. Then you do research and you're actually like, oh, I'm doing okay. And that gives you a level of comfort too that you can then bring to your workplace. Because when you're in this place where you don't feel like you're being paid fairly, you get frustrated really quickly. So you either want to figure out, okay, I'm not being paid fairly and this is how much and I can go for it. Or I think I'm being underpaid, but actually I'm not. And so I can relax and focus on just going back to my work and then going towards that next level, whatever it may be. Right. Because that stuff can also negatively impact how you interact in the workplace Mm -hmm. and just energy. Right. It's like just if you're angry or upset and have an attitude and yeah, whether it's justified (laughs) or not. Right. It's going to impact the way you interact with the people you work with, which would impact then your reputation and then probably will drill down to how much you earn or your potential to earn more in that position. Exactly. Yeah. So when it comes to, let's just say things that you want to go in and talk to your boss or potential boss, like you're interviewing for a new position. How does one approach the conversation around money? Like puts them in a, not at in the upper hand, right? But just more of like in a better position to advocate for themselves. Is there like uh, something they should be focused on or saying and leaning more into than something else that might kind of trip them up and get them stuck? Yeah. The biggest thing to concentrate on is the facts. I would say facts over feelings. So in a negotiation or whenever you're talking about money, we all are so emotional about it, right? We can't help but be emotional about it. But when it comes to the negotiation, we can't talk about, you know, I feel like I should be paid more or like it's really frustrating that blank, 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 blank. That's true. But what are the facts? The facts are with this skill set, with these things that I've accomplished, I should be getting paid this. This is what market I'm, I should be getting paid you know, what can we do to get us there? Or what are your thoughts on this? Or what's going to be our game plan to make sure that I'm compensated fairly? It's just relying on the facts rather than about the emotion of it all. And it's really hard to do, but the more that you understand, that's why you want to talk with your network. That's also why you want to reflect on all the things that you've done. The more you can get rooted and what are the facts of either at your current position, what do I have achieved? How have I helped this business grow? What are the plans that I'm helping to contribute to that are going to really help our bottom line? When you can focus on that, it becomes a lot easier for your boss to be able to understand, okay, you're right. That's justifiable. And what can we do to make this happen? 
when it comes to your new position, it's the same thing. It's keeping it short. It's not just like, oh yeah, like previously I was getting paid this and I would love to be making this. Like, no, (laughs) the market is paying this and this is what I'm expecting. Just period. There's no emotion necessarily involved in terms of you're not trying to like fight for it and anything. It's just, this is just a matter of fact. This is what the market's paying. And so this is about what I'm expecting. Is this something that you'll be able to do? Right. And then the idea here is also so many people stop themselves from doing that, from making those statements and to to ask the questions and to start the conversations because of how they feel like they be, will be perceived. So I think um, it's interesting to we'll probably just spend some time exploring that because a lot of times we're assuming that the other person will think negatively of us or, and this is, this goes kind of to like as a business owner too, like selling something or negotiating a price or whatever that looks like as a business owner that you feel the other person on the other end is going to be angry or upset or disappointed or just like, and that is most times like not the case. And even if it is like, there's ways to, to navigate that too. So can we talk a little bit about what we are perceiving the other person to (laughs) to feel? (laughs) So many things. I mean, even like, you know, this is when I go to a cafe and I think, oh, the cash register person hates me because of the way I smiled at them. Right. Like we get in our head so quickly about what we think people think of us and it can hold us back. And when it comes to a money conversation, that split second of thinking that of that and not acting can cost us, say, like $10,000, right? So before you go into these meetings, you really need to just like, oh, I always find a bathroom. Like I'm always going to stand and do my superwoman pose, like always going to take deep breaths and visualize my success because you need to get your place in the mindset of knowing this is okay for me to do. This is normal for me to do. They're expecting me to do this, right? When you can get really centered and calm and knowing that, then you can enter the conversation knowing that they expect you to be able to have this conversation. When I've hired people, say for my business, and I give them the offer, knowing farewell, this is like a big thing that we need to keep in mind for any negotiation. Their first offer is typically not going to be their best offer. This is just their starting offer, right? So we have to keep that in mind. This is their starting offer. This is their starting offer. So say for me, when I've hired somebody and I gave them the starting offer, when I had a person that would just say, okay, I would always think, wait, girl, like, what are you doing? Like, no, like you need to either, even if it's great for you, even if you like it, you need to say, I really appreciate your offer. This is going to be a big decision for me. And so I want to take some time to think it over. Even just that split second of saying that line will really help you not only for you to be able to take a step away from this conversation that's can get heated and very emotional and really take just a, a straightforward look at whether or not this is a good offer. It not only gives you the opportunity to do that, but also in the mind of the person that you're talking to, you've now put yourself in this position where they think, wow, they know their value. They don't make rash decisions and they are very thoughtful with everything that they do. So already you're being seen in a better light, right? So Knowing that from the point of view of me being a business owner, and that's the person I hire, you also have to think about that when, say, you're talking to the HR manager or the boss that's potentially hiring you, right? They're not going to think you're greedy by saying that you want more or saying that you just need time to think it over. They're going to think, wow, yeah, she knows her value. She knows that this is a big decision, and she knows that she needs time to think it over to make sure it's going to be the best thing. Because the last thing, right, that any of us want to do is jump into a situation where we agree to something. And then one week later, or even like that night, we realize, oh, shoot, like I should have negotiated. Now, what can I do? I'm stuck in this position. And on the company's end, they don't want somebody who they gave an offer to, 
you had the opportunity to increase it. You didn't say anything. And now all of a sudden, before you've even begun, you're frustrated with the company, right? That doesn't work for either side. Right. And it's so funny if you approach it as that most people, like when you don't push back or a surprise, like, wait a second, like, I really thought this person was going to say, like, ask for more. And so if you think of it and approach it from that end, that they're actually expecting you to do that, and they probably would think more favorably of you to do that. And, you know, it's interesting, all this like woman empowerment um, stuff, that's very important for us, right? It's great. And then um, most people, I do believe, do want to see more women thrive, right? In the workplace and just in their business and all these things. And so sometimes you're dealing directly, like, so for example, now as a business owner, when it comes to, sometimes I'll do things. And so I'm like invoicing a client or someone I did something for. And I'm like, I'm not going to feel bad about following up on my payment because at the end of the day, you should want me to like, as you know, just a business owner that you, if your whole brand says you support business owners, you want them to get paid. Then if I'm asking for what I want and what I deserve, that should not be a problem. And so, so many times we impose our own just negative emotions and insecurities on other people where they're really rooting for you. They're like, you should girl, like you should. And even if they mean all the best, they might not ever say to you, Hey, you should ask for more. They, they're going to, they're going to let it go just because like, again, everything is a business at the end of the day. But yeah, it's important to understand that, to to approach it like that. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed a few HR people to kind of help with the people that I work with to kind of be able to send the materials and stuff. And all of them say when they're across the table from somebody who doesn't negotiate, they just want to shake them. They're like, what are you doing? Like, this is your opportunity, like speak up. And they say it's so it's for their position, for their role and what they're supposed to do for the company. Like, of course, they can't say anything. And so they're so passionate about like, how can I help more people outside of their workplace? They're like, I want to let everyone know, like always negotiate, always negotiate. So it's so funny. Like if you could talk to that person, like, you know, outside of work, they would say, yes, like just ask for 10,000. If we can't do it, we'll just say no, or we'll come back with a counter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So many times you think the response, like, and I've experienced this myself where you think if you push back and ask for a number, then their, their next response will be forget it. Just like they're going to rescind everything. And that's not the case. If you, if you do extend that number, most likely if they can't do it, they'll say no. They're not going to say forget the total offer. Like, oh, you asked for too much. Now forget it. They're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. You have to remember at the end of the day, when you're getting the offer, that means that you were the leading person. They want to get you in the door in the same way that like you don't want to keep putting resumes out there. You don't want to keep doing job interviews. They don't want to keep having to look through resumes and do these job interviews. They have a business that they want to get back to. So they want to get the best person in the door for the best price that they can get that's going to make both sides happy. Right. Is this one of the things? So one of the things that employers or people that you're um, negotiating with don't want you to know is one of them that we expect you to negotiate. Like what's another couple of things that they don't want you to know that you should be knowledgeable about? Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest one is that you can negotiate. Um, another one, and this will, you know, kind of differ from company to company, but just as a general rule, you can kind of expect a 10% wiggle room. So let's say the offer is 35,000. You can expect there to be a wiggle room of about 3,500. So you just remove one of the zeros. So you, you have an offer for 84,000. You can expect maybe a wiggle room of 8,400. So if you can do that quick math always, then when it comes to the negotiation, if you feel like in that moment, I didn't do enough research, I have no idea, at least remember the 10% rule that you can say, you know, I was expecting something closer to blank and just add that to the total number and then see what they come back with. Because most of the time that's within range of them to be able to give you. I would say those are two ones that really help in the negotiation. 
I think when it comes to you not being in a new position, but you with your current role, a lot of companies and a lot of managers just for their own sake of keeping things simple, will say we can't increase that that much or we can't discuss uh, compensation at this time. You have to wait until blank day. Um, but it's that's never really the actual rule. Compensation is something that can always be in discussion, whether or not you're actually talking numbers, you could be talking about performance, right? Every time you're talking about, well, what are the next goals that you want me to hit? What are some milestones? You need to be keeping track of that because in a way you're talking about your future compensation. So by having it something that you're actively always thinking about, how am I increasing my value and how can I begin having conversations, even if it's not an official one? That's something that you should do that many, I guess, companies and managers might not always encourage you to do. As long as you keep producing work and never bring it up, that's great for them and their bottom line. If you can have those conversations, that's something that they may not encourage you to do, but it's something that you should do regularly because, you know, in the same way that they're always checking their quarterly earnings, you should be looking at your quarterly earnings, the performance that you do and what's the value that you're continuing to bring. Right. And I think also, too, the assumption is because we're so self-focused that we think if we know this as true or obvious that the other person does, too. So like I'm killing it. I know I'm doing such a good job. But then and so you assume that your boss, manager, employer should know that. And it's obvious. So and it's not that they don't, but you have to like advocate for yourself. And it's funny because I had my sister. She told me that she works in the food industry and she told me that her manager approached her about potentially like moving up a level or getting a promotion and they were going to see how things went. And so she's shadowing the other person. And the manager told her this a couple months ago. And so she's been shadowing the person. And so we were speaking the other day and she was like, you know, I don't know, should I say anything? Because I've been shadowing them. And, you know, they already told me that's what was may happen. So should I say something? And I was like, of course, you should say something because you want to them know that you care. Like, right. So you're showing care because you're assuming that they know that you care about this role, but they might not they might not think that. So when you say to them, hey, you know, we had, no, we had this brief conversation. I'm really still interested in this position. Just want to understand what that may look like and how much longer you think it would take for me to do this or get to that level based on this. Right. And she was just like, yeah, I figured that. Um, because in her head, she's like, well, I'm doing such a great job. Like, shouldn't they just know that that's what I want? I'm like, no, they don't know that. Yeah. It would be ideal if they do, but you know, a lot of managers are overseeing a lot of people. And so on top of their own work and trying to make sure that they're hitting all of the milestones that they need to hit, right? They have to like, they can't keep track of everyone else's. So we need to voice it. So like simple ways is, you know, when you're talking with your boss and they're like, how's it going? Instead of just being like, good, be like, great. You know, we just closed blank or we just wrapped up this or, oh, you know, last quarter we we're only doing this. Now this quarter we're doing this. Or even if it's the amount of people that you're teaching, yeah, we just had a new person go on board. I've been really helping them to understand this. And these are some of the things that they've been able to achieve. So it's about learning how to talk about what you do in a way so that you're sharing it rather than feeling like, oh, I'm trying to boast too much. Like I'm trying to like kind of toot my own horn. Like, no, you're just, you want to keep people in the know as much as possible about what's going on, what you're doing. And in the same way, like what happened with your sister, anytime you take on new responsibilities, you need to communicate that with them in terms of, oh yeah, like, you know, is this something that you want to me, me to be doing long-term? I'd love to talk about, you know, what does that mean for me, including compensation, right? Because a lot of times too, when we're thinking, oh, what a great opportunity, they're going to have me do this wonderful thing. We just want to take it and accept it, feeling like they're doing us such an honor. But 
in the reality of things, like we're taking on extra responsibilities that they are paying us less than they would have to pay somebody else for. So we always have to be re in discussion about, great, I'd love to take that on. Like, let's have a talk and sit down about what this means for my position. Right, right. All right. So this is wonderful, great tips and things people can start doing right now um, and when we forward. So let's talk a little bit about business owners, entrepreneurs, even side hustlers that have a service or just something that they're selling or doing and bringing into this world. I said it in the beginning, like for me, it's been a switch and pivot on working for someone else. And kind of, you know, there was like, there were income limits and it's based on the role and there's these income bands that they had and we got bonuses every year, but it was kind of like it was expected and I got paid even if I had a bad day, you know, like for, you know, if I didn't, I mean, I would, I, I would always hit my goals and do really well, but it was really just a more consistent kind of income that you just got versus as a business owner, like you now are your own boss, you make your own rules, you set your prices. And I've been finding it really interesting, just my evolution on um, asking for more, even just as I start to expand Journey to Launch. And if I'm like, this is like a business, um, it's not a charity. And if I want to be able to impact more lives and do the, the deep work and make the changes that I want to make, then I have to be able to sustain myself like and other people. Like eventually I would like, I love like to hire people to help me like full time to do this. So with that, I know we have a lot of entre- entrepreneurs listening and people who want to start businesses. Can we talk about the differences in what that looks like for an entrepreneur or someone needing to lean in and ask for more money, even if it's in terms of a service that they're providing for a client, right? Or someone that's working with them and how to navigate those kind of feelings of, oh, well, if I ask for more, they're going to think that I'm scamming them or that it's not, you know, that um, that they, maybe they'll push back and say, well, like, well, this person, why, why would I pay you $2,000 when I can go over here for $50, right? Like it's all these emotions that come up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I feel like when I think about business owners versus just how to negotiate and how to earn more in your career, I feel like it's the wild, wild west when it comes to business ownership, right? Because like, let's say for instance, even just a website redesign, you can have somebody who does it for free or somebody who does it for like a hundred or $200. And then you can have other people who are charging $20,000, right? So what makes the difference at the end of the day? If somebody is producing, say that $20,000 person, they probably are really experienced. They have crazy design skills. They're going to get it fast, get it done fast, right? If you're somebody who's charging, say, 500 but you actually can do it of that level, you know that you're undervaluing yourself. And that's like, we need to work on getting you paid more and feeling you can get paid more. So there's people that are on that end of the spectrum where they're like severely underselling themselves and feeling like they're not really worth it. So that's people that I try to help of like, how can we get you up higher? But on the other end, there's a lot of business owners out there who are like, well, there's people that are getting paid $20,000. I make websites. I've only done it for two weeks, but I could get paid $20,000. So I'm going to charge people $20,000. So at the end of the day, even though it's the wild, wild west, one thing I want to make sure all business owners know is that the truth will always get shaken out, right? Like the people that are producing the crazy good results, say that person that was doing it for $500 and underselling themselves. Over time, they're going to get more and more clients because they're going to get referrals that slowly they'll start to recognize, okay, I can get paid more. I can get paid more. I can get paid more and go up. And that person that was, say, had two weeks experience trying to charge $20,000 may never get business or gets one client that like has a terrible experience with them. They'll eventually get shaken out and go to that lower price point. So even though it's really scary to try to come up with like, what are 
the exact price points that I should do as my business. What you want to do is not get too wrapped up into it long-term and just start with initial price. So say if you're a side hustler and you're just starting out in your field, you want to do a little bit of research in the same way that you would for a job market of like, okay, what's the most I could get paid and what's the least, but then getting real and kind of trying to shake it out before you even get started of, okay, I could get 20,000, but that's for somebody who has 10 years of experience, who's been doing it, who creates this level of work. For people of my skill set, you know what? It looks like about 2000 would be about decent, right? So you just want to start with that and start creating results. As you start creating results for people in a business, that will become your guiding light, right? If you're able to get that work done, the people loved your work, you might start saying, maybe I can charge more than 2000 Or if you're never getting any business, then you can say, okay, maybe I'm going to start charging just 1000 just to get a few people in the door, learn my skill, and then be able to increase it. So pricing is really hard, I think, for a business owner, but you have to do some initial research to try to shake out for you what's a good starting point. And then what it's about is that with each project or with each person that you help or with each product that you sell, you kind of need to reassess, am I pricing myself correctly? So I think that's the part that's difficult and different than a job. Because in a job, you just know I'm going to get $55,000 and I'll probably get paid $55,000 for the next year. Whereas as a business, I could take on a client that's say $3,000 and then I could take on another client that's $6,000. I might be even doing the same work, but it's just how I sold myself, what were their pain points and how how bad did they want to work with me? That's the thing that gets kind of confusing. But the biggest, I think, takeaway from it all is do your initial research, come up with a number, but then you really have to be flexible with do what, can I increase it or can I decrease it? And also within that whole thing, how do I need to package myself and talk about myself to be able to justify that value? Because at the end of the day, these are all just made up numbers. Right. And when you undervalue yourself, if you know, right, let's just say you are in a position now where you know you can deliver results and people are typically when they buy anything, a service product, they're buying it to save time, money, to make more money, to, you know, just increase their knowledge, whatever it is, it's not necessarily looking at it as they're giving me money. It's like you're providing them a service or providing them a product. So it's not like, oh, you know, like I'm just getting this money. You're doing something for that and you're providing them a result that they're looking for and undervaluing yourself. And I've felt this from experience from undervaluing anything that I've done. It doesn't serve whoever has bought that product or signed up for whatever that thing was, because then based on um, the fact that I know I probably didn't charge as much as I should have. I can't deliver like the quality that I'd like based on scale or just based on, oh, wow. Like I would love to be able to do all these other things with this and provide all these other levels of service and touch points, but I can't do it because I undervalued what I could do. So it's almost like doing that is a disservice, especially if you can deliver a result. It's a disservice for the people who really came to you because they want an outcome. And now they can't really get the outcome in the way that's best for them because you don't have the resources or energy, or maybe you're a little um, resentful, (laughs) you know, because you have been undervaluing yourself. Yeah. I think that's especially for like service stuff. What's great is that there always is more to do. And so the nice thing that is, I guess, in addition to that whole thing is that Say for a job, when you do a job at work, that's it and you're done and you get paid. Whereas with a business, like even if you say initially undervalued yourself, you can understand that and then say, hey, listen, where we're at right now with budget, this is what we're going to be able to achieve. Here's the things I would really love to do for you. And you just sell them on all the other things that you could be able to exchange it for them. And then they can have the conversation and decide with them within themselves, like actually let's make that happen. So even though 
it's easy to undersell yourself as a business owner. It's also just as easy to recover from that and rehab that discussion because you're not set to these parameters of every week I'm getting a, or every two weeks I'm getting a paycheck of 1,500. Every day is, is flexible. And that's kind of a scary part about being a business owner, but also the beauty of it. So what may have started as just like a $100 project with something could evolve into like a $25,000 long-term gig that you have. Right, right. And I love just the idea that it's nothing is like set. So you're still learning. Everything's a learning process too. And it's, it's how you gather that information and make changes, even if it, you don't make the right decision in the first part of it. It's, you know, it's always room for improvement and growth. Yeah. It's that the self-confidence though, I think is the hardest part for any new business owner, because say if you're just starting something, you're not quite sure if you want to be doing it long-term, you feel like, well, I just need the experience. You know, I would just like love to have at least one client. I don't even know if I really want to put everything I have into this business and kind of burn all the bridges behind me. So until you get to that place of like, no, this is what I'm doing. This is what I deliver. This is what they're going to get. And this is what it's worth. The sooner you can get to that place, the easier it becomes to be able to negotiate higher prices. But when you're in the area and the land of kind of like a little bit more wishy-washy, that's when it becomes hard. So the more that you can zero in on, no, this is something I want to do. This is something I can do. This is something where I deliver great results. And this is, you know, going back to facts over feelings, this is the fact of how much it costs, the easier it becomes to have that kind of a pricing conversation. Right, right. And, you know, it's it's interesting because I, I say this all the time when you say that, you know, you made in a W-2 job $100,000, like gross, right? Or even net, let's just say that's $100,000. If you say that you made $100,000 in your business, that's not $100,000 take home. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's not actually what you made. So if you see someone say like, oh, I made six figures or $100,000 gross. But 80000 was on Facebook ads. <laughs> right. Like that's that there's expenses in the business. There's taxes. There's investing back in the business. So that business owner, you as a business owner, your take home pay is a fraction of that, depending on how you run your company. And so it's a total different game. Yeah. When I first started mine, my stuff, it was just all on the side, you know, and which I recommend for anyone. If you're working a nine to five, you want to start something on the side, like allow your nine to five job to be essentially your angel investor. They are supporting you the whole way as you explore and figure out as much as you can. That is like the best position to be in. Once you start trying to make it full time, it goes from being a hobby to being a serious business in the sense that you have to think, okay, I love doing like, let's say I love um, selling product A, but the profit margin that I have on this is actually super small. I would need to sell a thousand units to be able to make $5,000. Whereas product B, uh, I don't love it as much, but the profit margin is huge. And I only have to sell a hundred to make the same as I would with pro- uh, product A. You have to decide at that point, And depending on your financial situation, do you go for the thing that you love that has the lower profit margin? Or do you go for the thing that's like a little bit more eh, that has a bigger profit margin? Or what's the next thing? What's what's option C, where hopefully you have a higher profit margin that you also love doing? So we can get so caught up in, oh, I'd love to do a business on this. And you can totally do a business on anything and just be able to make, you know, like a few hundred dollars. That's There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's incredible and something that we should all try to do. Um, when you want to start making it your full-time thing, though, there does become that other part of the equation where you have to really look at it like a business. What's the profit that I'm going to be able to make? What's the overhead going to be for myself? What is my take-home pay going to be after taxes and everything? And just say, is this going to be the best company to bring forward? So when we think about it, like, you know, we've all been to like a shop where we, like a brick and mortar shop where like, 
what? These are awesome people. They love what they do, but nobody is in here. No one's buying it. Like, and you just feel a little bit bad for them. And then, then they eventually close down, right? It's the same thing for all of us. We have to remember, even if we don't have a brick and mortar shop, it's the same thing. We may love what we're doing. We may, um, you know, have a really cool atmosphere or a cool website or all these things. But at the end of the day, is it generating enough profit to be able to sustain your life long term? So that's the new angle that you have to take on as a business owner of really looking at it, looking at the numbers. And that's where, you know, this whole relationship with money, I think, gets really interesting. Because when I said earlier at the beginning, you know, my money block journey started then it really took off once I had my own business, because trying to earn more in your job is one thing, but trying to earn more as a business owner is a whole nother thing because you're constantly having to sell yourself or talk about what you do and try to get people to pay you, which is totally different. It's totally different. Yeah. And if you think about it, when you, if you have this block about asking for more or earning more in your business, because you think it's not serving people and you think, oh, but you know, people may not be able to afford it or all these things that you're putting on yourself. That's not even probably the reality of the situation. Just like you said, with this, this idea of the restaurant owner or this brick and mortar place, let's talk about a restaurant or place, right? That's so amazing, but because they're not running it as a business where they can earn the money that they should be earning, they have to close down. So instead of like thousands of people finding out, like additional people finding out about this amazing place to be, right, in the space to be, they have to shut down because they didn't charge or do what they were supposed to do. And so if you look at it from that perspective, because they felt it was going to be a disservice to their current customers or whatever that was, they undervalued what they did and themselves and then had to shut the business. And then that's like the same thing with you as a business owner listening, as myself taking the advice that I'm saying right now is that if you want to really make the impact and serve more people and or serve people more deeply, right, and to make the changes that you're promising or doing, then it's a disservice then to undersell yourself to the point where or to make it into a legit business where you have to close down. Then no one, then no one gets the benefit, right? Because you have to close down and no one's getting the journey to launch podcast <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. My favorite. So like, I, like on my podcast, it was originally called the big leap show. And it was just about like, how do you do this leap? Right? Like how, like, okay, everyone's like, oh, I started a business. And I'm like, no, but how? And like financially, how? And like, let's take you through it. And my favorite, favorite person of all time was actually, um, so after I, I eventually like saved up enough money, quit my job, did the whole travel thing. And then um, while I was traveling, got certified as a yoga teacher and I had a period in my life where I thought I'm going to be a yoga teacher. And so I worked for this lady named Addisina Dowers, who had started a yoga studio in Oakland. So I interviewed her for my podcast and I love her fire and I love how she talks about business. So one of the things that she talks about and I witnessed firsthand is she was like, oh, I'm the yoga lady. I'm the yoga lady in Oakland. We got a new shop. You like yoga? Oh, you should come by my shop. All, everywhere she went, she always had flyers with her. And like we would go and get a coffee and she would talk to somebody and always bring up, oh, do you like yoga? Do you know anybody that likes yoga? I just opened up a shop here. Take this thing. You guys should come on by. Like we have we have this class going. We have this class going. I'd love to see you there. Like shameless in terms of knowing, hey, you don't know about my studio, but you should and you should check us out. And if you know anybody, like let them know she's not being skeezy in any way. Well, for some people, that's probably like very uncomfortable to get to that level. You don't have to go full on Adesina. However, at the end of the day, she she was providing value. She had created in this community a yoga studio where people don't do yoga, right? And trying to, to share that kind of teaching and lifestyle with people, plus just being like an awesome energy to have and to and a community space for more people to get to know each other and be able to work out. Like 
She's just providing lots of value and she wants to make sure everybody knows about it because otherwise she's going under. Mm, yeah, yeah. Love that. Okay, Kat, this has been such a great conversation with packed full of tips and things that people can really do to start changing their income, right? And improving it. So thank you so much. Can you please let everyone know where they can find out more about you and follow you? Yeah. Um, my main hub is kathleenhart.com. I actually got married recently. So I don't know if I... I'm Oh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to change my name, but it's KathleenHart.com. I'll probably forever be, because um, Hart is my middle name. So KathleenHart.com is my main hub. Instagram, I like to do stories mostly just because I can be weird and it'll disappear. So I'm at I am Kathleen Hart. And yeah, just come hang out with me. If you ever have any questions, you can shoot me a DM. Um, I have also have a podcast, although I'm not as dope as yours in terms of like, you've been crushing it every week. Ever since my wedding, I was like, Mm-mm, sorry, guys, taking a break. <laughs> But yeah, the podcast is really incredible people talking about their journey, not to launch in terms of not as much focused on finances, but just more like, how the heck did you do it? What were the mental blocks that you went through? And um, how else can we start to dream a little bit bigger and and go for it? So that's um, the Kathleen Hart Show, if you like my voice and want more of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I will definitely, I'm getting all those links. I'm linking in the show notes so people can definitely follow up. Thank you so much, Kat. Yeah, you're so welcome. I hope that everyone enjoyed this. And it was such an honor to be able to talk to you for so long. So I appreciate it. And um, I hope everyone has a great day. I hope you enjoyed and got a lot of tips, actionable tips for yourself in this conversation with Kathleen. Again, as I said, I am all about earning more money. I think it's something we should be talking more about in personal finance. And what I will be doing is talking more about it on my content and in my podcast. So just stay tuned for more resources and help around that because literally like that is the way to your goals is earning more money. And so having the confidence, giving yourself that permission, which we often don't do to earn, right? If you think it's like not a good thing or there's some negative connotations that you associate with money, like it is subconsciously holding you back from really earning your worth. So I hope you got some Good tips from what Kaplan was saying. Again, if you want any of the episode show notes, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 130. Also, don't forget to follow me on all social media. I'm at Journey to Launch. And as I said, I'm going to read a review from Apple Podcasts. So remember, you can listen to this podcast literally anywhere. If you happen to listen on your iPhone in the purple app, then you can subscribe and leave a review. And so this is going to be one of my latest podcast reviews that I'll share with you. Okay, this is from Michelle Coleman. She says it's a must listen. She says, love, love, love this podcast. Although the premise of the show is about becoming financially independent, the underlying message is about changing your mindset. And she proves this over and over again by having people from all walks of life that may have never heard of being financially independent talk about how their mindset bolted them into success. Her interviews are motivating, and I love that she approaches each interview with the intention of reaching an underserved community. I can't recommend this podcast enough. Keep it up, Jamila. Thank you, Michelle, and I will most definitely be keeping it up. <laughs> and, um, you know, so again, as I always say, I'm really excited about what's to come for Journey to Launch. I would not have made it this far without you guys. I just want to let you know, without you sharing the content and sharing it with your family and friends and giving me feedback about what you like about it, because it really, again, keeps me fueled to keep going. So with that, I will speak to you next week. Remember, new episodes drop every Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss it. 
and I'll speak to you next week. All right. Until then, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.